Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. For more videos, messages, and content, be sure to subscribe to our channels on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for a great way to stay connected throughout the week. Tune in as Pastor Jason brings this week's message from our series, At the Movies. For week three, uh, we're not featuring one movie. We're, we're featuring romantic comedies. And how many of you love romantic comedies? You are no longer welcome at church. <laughs> just, just playing. When, when we landed on this idea just to use a theme and do a live preaching, last week was all video, uh, but when we landed on this theme of just talking about relationships from romantic comedies, my, my first idea was just to fill our time together by reading all of the dirty passages from the Song of Solomon, just like fill up our whole time and use that. But how many of you know in the room today that, that God is the originator of this life? That he originated this life and every, everything that's good in it. Obviously, the, the fall of man and sin brought some horrific things into our world. But God originated everything in this life that we experience. And when you talk about the idea of a romantic comedy... The stories of, of love, of romance, of intimacy, all of that comes straight out of the Word of God because God is the originator of relationships. He's, he's the originator of the idea of romance and intimacy, and, and we live in a world where uh, culture and movies and music, all of that stuff has hijacked the idea of sex, but... God is the originator and creator of that, and uh, I was going to do this whole like little joke, like if you, you know, cultures hijacked it, so if you love Fifty Shades of Grey, raise your hand, but then I was afraid somebody wouldn't know I was joking, and then you would never be able to scrub that image out of your head, and so uh, I'm not going to do that joke today, but for whatever reason, like culture has hijacked the topic. And it's been taboo to talk about it in church. But how many of you believe that we need to go to the originator of something if we want to know what it was designed for? That we need to go back to where it came from. And, and I, want to, I want to talk to you today. Maybe you're, a, maybe you're not a Christian. I, I love meeting people in our church who feel comfortable coming to our church and they're not even a Christian. Uh, maybe you're not a Christian. I, I want to share something with you today that is vitally important to your life, or maybe, maybe you're a new Christian and you're, you're new to this whole following Jesus thing and, and going to church, and I, I want to I connect you to something that's important, or, or maybe you're a Christian, but you haven't fully engaged the Word of God. And in our church, we do a, a freedom group, and we talk about how there's levels. Ezekiel talked about ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and, and waters to swim in, and, and maybe, maybe you're a Christian, but you're in a place where it's ankle deep, and today I want to just kind of take us on a little journey of directing something that's a part of our world and our life that is so vitally important, but it gets hijacked, and we don't get really a lot of biblical information about it, but there's an entire, there's an entire book of the Bible about romance. Did you know that? That, that there's a whole book of the Bible dedicated to it, and it's called the Song of Solomon. And the Song of Solomon is just a series of songs. And 
Sometimes I, I love the way that we do at the movies because we take art, we take movies, and we use it to communicate a biblical truth because art can be used to communicate powerful messages. And for too long, we've allowed the world to create the art when the art was already in the Word of God. Because the Psalms are just, or Psalms, if you prefer, uh, they're, they're, just, they're, just, <laughs> they're just songs that were written. Proverbs would sort of fit in that as well. And the Song of Solomon is a series of songs that communicate a message. And it's all about romance and intimacy. So you can think of it this way. The Song of Solomon is basically just a dirty musical. Uh, it's, just, it's just a love story that is laid out in a, what, would be, what we would call today uh, a musical. And I love it because it's using the genre of art to just speak to us biblical truth. And the whole book is just a love story between a man and a woman. It's actually a passionate love story. It's, it's a play that was writ to, written to music that communicates their engagement and their marriage, and everything that goes along with that. And here's the incredible thing. They fell in love. They got married. They, they write about their intimacy. But all of it, come on somebody, stays under the blessing of God. It stays in a place where it honors God. And when people talk about the Song of Solomon, a lot of times they over-spiritualize this book. And they're like, oh, it's a book about love. It's about how much God loves us. And if you read some of those passages, that's really weird. <laughs> that's, not, that's not helpful. Because there are some passages in there where we can understand God's love for us. But that's a secondary theme of the Bible. You ready for this? The, the main point of the book is to tell the story of a romantic, torrid love affair between a man and and a woman because God is trying to use art to teach us and we need to stop getting our cues from the art of the world and we need to go to the God that designed it and get our truth from the art that God gave us and that's straight out of the word of God. And for whatever reason, like we separate these two worlds and what I want you to understand is, is you don't have to separate sex and God. The, the two aren't mutually exclusive. God is the author of human sexuality. He's the author of romance and romantic interest of being in love. And you don't have to separate God and sex. And I like to say it this way. It's, it, it's like money. Everybody misquotes the Bible. They say money is the root of all evil. You ever heard that? That's, that's not true. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. In other words, money is neither good or bad. It's how you use money that determines whether it's good or bad. And here's the thing about sex. It's neither good or bad. It's how you use sex that determines whether it's holy or unholy. And we've got to use it in the right way. And for whatever reason, when it comes to church, we either get into these two worlds, we either leave sex outside of church, or we way over-spiritualize our lives. You know, I, was, I was talking to a, a single guy in our church one time, and he was asking for some advice about a relationship. He was interested in a girl, and he, he wanted some advice. And he wasn't asking advice about this part. He just shared this with me. He was like, I'm interested in her, so I'm texting her Bible verses every morning. And I was like, bro, your game is really off. Like, that's... <laughs> unless those Bible verses are out of the Song of Solomon, you, <laughs> you just need to... You just need to tell her you like her. You know what I mean? 
I promise you, if you're a single guy, she already knows that you want to marry her and have sex with her, okay? I maybe wouldn't lead off with that right away. Um, that would be awkward during the high five time, you know what I mean? Like, hey, I want to marry you and have sex with you. Um, that'll, that'll get you kicked off the welcome team real fast. But that we, we over-spiritualize it. And somewhere, somewhere between Bible verses and fruit emojis, there's a healthy way to talk about sex in church. And the... The Song of Solomon, by the way, full of fruit. If it was translated into emojis, it would be full of peaches. And you don't have to separate the two worlds. They're not, they're not mutually exclusive. God is the author of romance, of intimacy. And romance is God's idea. And watch this. It's holy when it's God honoring. When, when, when we put it in a place where it honors God. And I, I, just the message I would love to communicate in our time together today is that you can be happy and holy in your sexual desires. Like th those are two things that can go together in, in your life. And uh, the Song of Solomon really gives us a, a, a pattern to follow. And I, I want to read one verse from the Song of Solomon. I'm going to get a lot of mileage out of this one verse today. And the reason why is as you read the book, there's themes that weave throughout the book. One, one of the themes is don't awaken love until it pleases. So I, I could do a whole series on just that phrase about pushing off physical intimacy until the time is right, which is when you're ready to make a commitment and get married. It talks about it's the little foxes that are spoiling your harvest. We look at all of these big things that we think are ruining our lives, and really it's the small things that we're not intentional about that's ruining the harvest of our lives. But this verse gives us a couple of more themes. And Song of Solomon 1 and 8 says this, and this is the amplified version. It says, if you do not know where your lover is, which is the verse for all of the single people in the room today, if you don't know where your lover is, hoping you they find you real quick. If you do not know where your lover is, oh, fairest among women, just kind of mentally circle the word fairest. I'm going to end with that in just a few minutes. Oh, you fairest among women, run along, follow the tracks of the flock. If you're looking for love, if you're looking for a healthy place to have intimacy and romance, it says to follow the tracks of the flock. That God has laid out a path for his people, even in the realm of human intimacy and relationships, God has, God has laid out a path that leads to abundant life and fulfillment for you. And all, all you got to do is just follow the path that takes you to the place where healthy, healthy intimacy resides. And I want to I I give you three different versions of this track. The first group I want to talk to is I want to talk to the married people. Come on, let me hear from all of the married people in the room today. Anybody... Anybody happily married? Anybody not happily married? No, I'm just joking. Don't, don't make any noise. Like, for married people, there, I want you to understand this, is that obviously the Word of God, very, very clear, says that 
that marriage is the place for human sexuality. That that's, that's the God-ordained place for intimacy and relationships. And what you have to understand is God has laid out that path. And when we talk about this, the idea of the world is that, and this literally makes me angry because it's such a lie, the idea of culture and the world is that, that marriage is the place where sex goes to die. Like, and so you're taught, like, you better live it up while you're young, right? Like, you better bachelor party it up because all the fun, all the freedom is coming to an end. I mean, how many movies have we seen that portrayed? How much have we picked up? My, my dad was a pastor, and I actually grew up in church and was taught the Bible from a ch- my childhood. But in my early days, in my, in my teen years, I felt that, like I'm missing out something, and then it's going to be over. It's going to be too late. And that's, that's just straight a, a lie. It's not true. In fact, there is research done on who reports, what group of people reports. And this is going to boggle your mind because I know what people think and I know what's presented in movies. What group of people do you think would report the most frequent sex and report the most satisfying sex life? Do you know what research shows? You can go Google this. It's out there. The research shows that married Christians report the healthiest sex life because the Bible ain't a lie, y'all. It will lead you to a place of fulfillment and health in your life. It'll take you to a place of fulfillment. And the world tells you, you know, you got to get it, get it all out of the way, sow your wild oats, and when you get married, the fun is over. But listen to this. The Bible doesn't just say sex is for marriage. Watch this. The Bible commands sex in marriage. I knew you wouldn't believe me. Did you hear it? Just get quiet. Like, okay, let's go, let's go to the Bible, 1 Corinthians 7 and verse 3. Paul writes... And says this, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs. Now, I'm not quite for sure why this needs to be in the Bible. I, I don't know if there's some guy out there who's like real frigid. And I just get this mental image of this little woman like stalking her husband around the house. And she's like, give it up. And he's like, no, can we just cuddle? Like, I just, I, I don't feel pretty. I'm not, just a, I'm not just a piece of meat. And she's like, no, the Bible says to give it up. And but it's, it's in the Bible. It's a commandment. Meet the needs of your wife. And then Paul obviously writes to the wife and says that you should fulfill your husband's needs. And what happens is... Our marriages get sidetracked. We, we start out in love, like passionately in love. And then all of these other things begin to take priority over it. And I've said this a million times, but I'm, I'm going to say it until it's just a thing. And that is men and women make terrible roommates, but they make great lovers. And sometimes in our marriages, we, we lose the intimacy and we just become roommates, and then that's where quarrels and fighting starts and all of that stuff. And that's because God never intended for you to be a roommate. He intended you to live out the Song of Solomon in your life and live a passionate love affair between you and your spouse. And that's what God intended for you. And you've got to make sure that if you're married, watch this, that you don't get off track on your marriage by allowing everything else to overtake your life of intimacy. 
Because do you know what sin is? Sin is meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. It's when I know I have needs, and God knows you have needs. God gave you the desires. God gave you the passion. God gave you those wants and those needs. And he said, I'm going to give you a legitimate way to see that fulfilled in your life, and that's marriage. And then when we allow everything to hijack it, what we're opening ourselves up to is for the enemy to come in and offer us opportunities to meet that need in an illegitimate way. And so Paul writes, and I love the way, I'm going to read that same verse, but this is the message version of the Bible. And I love how this plays it out. It says, it's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for a balanced and fulfilling sex life in a world of sexual disorder, written 2,000 years ago, but so accurate for our world today. The marriage bed must be a place of mutuality, the husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it, and it's for the purposes of prayer and fasting. But how many of you know you don't fast very long? It's like... We're going to take a week off, and we're coming back together. Paul said, watch this. That's the only time that there can be inactivity in your romantic life together is if you both agree to it, and it's for a purpose of we're just going to focus on God for a few days and get everything else out of our life except that. But then he says this, end that, and then come back to activity. The Bible is commanding you not to get off track in your marriage, but to stay on track in intimacy. Then come back together again. I'm going to add my own word in here quickly, because Satan, watch this, Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. We're carrying around all of those desires, and God gave us a spouse so that we could be there for them, and they could be here for us, and you can't let everything else in this life come into your marriage because marriage is not about having two incomes. Marriage is not about getting to build the house you've always wanted. I'm going to boggle your mind. Marriage is not about your children. Marriage is the best place to raise children, but your marriage is not just about children. Marriage is about you and your spouse being madly in love with you, and you've got to not let everything else override that priority in your life. If you're married, this is the message. The Bible Bible is telling you stay on track. Don't let anything else override the passion that God gave you because that's when the enemy comes in and creates all kinds of diversions. So some of us need to get intentional and you need to get the kids out of your bed. You need to get the kids out of your bedroom. You need to get the kids out of your house. You need to do whatever you can do to do it. Let a crackhead watch your baby for an hour. You just got to prioritize being together because God is telling you to get on track today. Somebody say amen in the house of God. The single people, let me, let me talk to all the, let me hear from all the single people in the room today. Somebody needs to be taking mental notes right now. I want to marry you and, okay. Listen, you're, you're not on the marriage track yet, but you got to realize that you're already on a path. That, that your, your, your sex life, your intimacy with your spouse, watch this, it doesn't begin when you get married, it begins way before that. And the idea of the world is, is that, you know, it just, it just begins uh, when, when I get married, 
and I'll, I'll get on the path. And again, culture will tell you, you know, sow your wild oats, and, and then you can get married. And here's, here's what you need to know. As in, we, we walk people through this all of the time, is you can't watch porn up until you're married and then stop watching porn. Porn goes into the marriage with you. And you can't, you can't have all of these relationships and then just all of a sudden get married and all that goes away and then you go forward with your spouse. What that's saying is, it's, it's kind of like saying that you want to you wanna be wealthy later in life. Like you want to you wanna own your own home debt-free. You want to own your cars debt-free. You want to have savings. You want to have enough retirement to retire early. Doesn't that sound good, everybody? I mean, that, that's a great picture of financial health. And, and, and it's like saying you want that. So the way that you're going to go on that journey towards debt-free savings, being able to retire early, is I'm going to get all of my spending and debt out of the way while I'm young. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rack up a bunch of transactions. I'm going to get a bunch of debt in my life. And I'm just going to get all of the credit card spending out of the way so that I can be financially blessed later. How many of you know that's not going to work in your life? Like that's working against your goals. And some of us, we've been there. We spent when we were young. And then we had to spend years trying to pay off all of that before we could start going in the right direction. And that's the mentality of the world is you have all of these transactions. And then when you get married, you can go on and be blessed. Well, the Bible is saying you need to put sex in marriage because some of us are swiping our cards a lot, thinking that when we get married, it's going to start at bank account zero. And it doesn't. And what God's word is trying to do is not kill your fun. It's trying to bring you to fulfillment so that when you get married, you're not spending 10 years trying to get out from under all the junk that you've been in so you can then move forward with your spouse. And so the Bible says this, and Paul writes to single people in 1 Corinthians 7. He says, but if you can't manage your desires and emotions, this is a biblical phrase. Some of you may have heard it. It's better to marry than to burn. And what that means is it's better for you to get married than just to be consumed with passion because God knows that you have sexual desires. He knows that. And so he says it's better for you to get married and they should by all means go ahead and get married. The difficulties of marriage are preferable by far to living a sexually tortured life as a single. And if you're single today, the track doesn't begin when you get married. The track begins way before that. Because you have sexual desires. And, and I'm a pastor, and I, I, want, I want to just give you some truth today, is you don't have to feel bad about having sexual desires because God gave you those desires, but he also gave you a path that will take you to fulfillment in those desires. And when you're single, it's challenging. We live in a sexualized culture, and so you've got to manage sexual desires, plus we're sinners. I know you're saved. I know God's grace is enough, but we're all weak in our flesh, myself included. And then there, it gets complicated because you got sexual desires and then you got lust and you, you got to navigate those things. And here's what you got to understand is sexual desires can be fulfilled, but lust can never be satisfied until it consumes everything in your life. And you're either going to get on the track the world sends you and it's going to take you down a path of lust and instant gratification until it consumes relationship after relationship or you can step onto God's track and trust Him with it because He authored it and originated it and He knows what's best and He'll take you to a place of fulfillment in your life. So here's your track. Number one is put sex where it belongs and that's in marriage. Put it in marriage and know that even if you're not married, what you're doing now are transactions you're going to deal with when you get married. And the second thing that Paul said 
said it's better to marry than just to burn with passion. In other words, he said this. He said, don't stay single past your self-control. You've got those desires. You, you, you need to get married before those desires overtake you. And we live in a culture that has commitment issues. And so what we do is we choose to, to opt out of God's word and maintain our commitment issues. And what we need to do is deal with our commitment issues and honor the word of God. And then the third thing is this, is we, we sometimes have this whole list of things we're, we're believing for in a spouse. Like they got to have a certain hair color and eye, eye color and abs and, you know, all of this stuff and wealthy. And that's great. Make your list. Believe, believe big. We're a church that believes big. That's great. Pray for it. But here's, here's the one biblical qualification for a candidate for you to marry. You ready for this? There's only one, there's only one qualification. Are they a follower of Jesus Christ? If they're a follower of Jesus, that's a person, that's a candidate for your life. And then here's the third group. Is I want to talk to those that, that maybe you're, you're off track. Maybe, maybe you're off of the path. What I would tell you is God, God's inviting you back on the path. And, and culture tells you, like, keep God out of this, keep God out of this, keep God out of this. Hide it, hide it, hide it. And that, again, all, all of it originates from the word of God. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they, they saw their own nakedness, they felt shame, and so they, they hid from God. And that's one picture, but the real picture that God gave us was Adam and Eve in a passionate love affair, serving in the purposes of God both of them having a relationship with God, and that's the picture God's Word gives you for your life, is that we have to pick our picture. We're either going to live up to the image of the world, or we're going to live up to the image. Did you know the Bible gives us pictures? Adam and Eve is a picture. In fact, Paul said in the New Testament that Jesus and his church, that he loved his church so much that he died for this church. He died for this gathering today so that we could have a covenant relationship with him and God said, that's a picture of marriage. And one of the reasons the enemy wants to destroy your marriage is he wants to destroy all of the God image out of this world. And that's why we as the people of God need to stand up and stand strong for the image God gave us. And it's a man and a woman passionately in love, serving God and all of them having a relationship with Jesus Christ as they walk in triumph in their lives in the picture that God gave them. And the world, the world will tell you, you got you to keep God out of it. And here's what I want you to know is you don't have to live in shame. You can bring it to God. And the world will tell you, if you go to God, your sex life is going to die. And here's what I'm telling you. God is offering you a path of redemption today. He wants to redeem your story. And if you'll bring it to God, he's the one that authored it. And he'll make it better than it's ever been. Because God isn't going to do something that gives you less. God's going to do something that gives you more. He's going to bring you into a place of abundance. And God is offering you redemption today. You know what redemption is? It's taking it back to its original condition. And it doesn't matter how bad you've messed up the story. I just want you to hear this you don't have to hide it from God. You can bring it to God. There's no condemnation. God's going to meet you with his grace, and he's going to work in your life and do what you never could have done in a million years. And the enemy will lie to you and tell you wherever you're at that you've done too much or you can't bring it back to God. And I just want to tell you today, Christ is enough for you, and he wants to redeem the story of your life and tell a much better story than what you've been telling in your life. And he's offering like, redemption. I want, to, I want to redeem your story, and you don't hide it. We don't separate the two worlds. We bring them, and maybe today you're off track, and I just encourage you to step back, push the pause button, get back on track, bring it under the blessing of God, and see God's grace meet you in that moment.
And one of the things that we need to reconnect with is this idea of the fairest. I love, it talks about the fairest one. Because in culture, and especially if you're familiar with church today, and that's my world, so that's what I talk out of a lot. In Christian culture, church culture, there's this idea of there's one person out there for everyone. Like there's a, a specific missing rib walking around out there. You got to find that rib, you know. And it's, it's such a lie. Like there's, there's no right person. There's, there's tons of people, men and women. There's a lot of good looking men, a lot of good looking women. You, you choose one. Because if there's only one person for everyone, and your one person marries the wrong one, then you're forced to marry the wrong one. And then your kids are the wrong people. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry, Timmy. There's no hope for you. Like, I was supposed to be with her. And it, the, the idea of love is so messed up. It's like, it's like I need you. I need you. I can't, can't live without you. I've got to have you in my life. I can't live without you. That's, that's a lie. If I, if, I, if I dropped dead, Heidi's heart would keep beating. Her lungs would keep processing oxygen. She would go on with her life. She doesn't need me. Like the whole need thing is just so overrated. Because I need broccoli. I don't want broccoli. <laughs> I don't choose broccoli. I, I, choose, I choose cheeseburgers. I choose pizza. I choose tacos. I choose chips and guacamole. I'm preaching good right now. I choose it. I choose it. I don't, I don't need it. Watch this. I want it. When it came to my wife, I didn't need her. I wanted her. She's not my broccoli. She's my cheeseburger. I chose her. She chose me. Some of you are single and way overcomplicating this. Choose one. Lots of good-looking girls, lots of good-looking men. No one's perfect. Choose one. If they choose you back, then the two of you go deep in that choice in a commitment that honors God and watch God bless your life. And if you're married today, you need to know this, that your spouse is your fairest one. And you need to treat them the way that God says they are, and that's the fairest one. And for whatever reason, we get distracted, and we compare, and then we get critical, and we speak negative words over our spouse, and we're arguing, and we're saying harsh things, and we're saying ugly things to them, and we're saying ugly words, and it's amazing how we stop being attracted to them because of the words that we're saying. And you gotta realize that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and if you'll just begin to speak words of, that are pleasing, and if you'll begin to get your mind wrapped around this idea of that's my fairest one, I promise you, I think it will actually physically change the way they look because you're building them up instead of tearing them down, and you'll see them attractive. And then some of us, watch this, some of us need to realize that we're our spouse's fairest. That they chose us, and watch this, we need to live up to that choosing. That we, we need to start living for the choice our spouse made. Because I'm a pastor, and we've tried to walk a lot of people through broken marriages. 
and I'm just tired of something, and I hope this doesn't come across harsh or too bad of a rant, but I'm tired of something. I'm tired of people getting divorced and then changing their life. Like then, I, then they get the haircut, and then they change the wardrobe, and then they go on this deal where they start taking care of themselves and all of that stuff. Listen, don't do that for the next person. Why don't you do that for the now person? Why don't you live your best for the person that chose you, that's your fairest? Like, let's deal with our junk. Let's, let's don't wait to the divorce and then try to live up to something. Let's realize we've been chosen, and let's live up to the choice because here's the reality is that's a picture of love. That's the biblical picture of love is God didn't give Get stuck with you. God didn't have to love you. God loved you by choice that when you were still a sinner, Christ died for you. Some of us were angry at God. Some of us were rebellious against God. Some of us didn't want to have anything to do with God, but God said, it doesn't matter how you treat me. I'm choosing you. I'm choosing your life. And there's nothing you could do that could change my mind about who you are and about how much I love you. And I'm going to keep loving you till I love you into the best version of yourself. When you're ugly, when you're negative, when you're broken, when you're in your pain, I'm going to keep loving you with an everlasting love because that's how God exampled love for us. So let's love our spouses the way God has loved us. Give Jesus some praise in the room today. Just stand, just stand with me. It'll remind me to quit. I want to I pray for you today. Father, I pray over every marriage that's represented in the room today. The world, the world tells us when we've lost love, go find it somewhere else. But your, your word says when we've lost love, go back to the place we lost it. Go back to our first love. Today, if there's marriages that are struggling, please, Jesus, breathe fresh life, fresh passion. If there's marriages that are strong, let your grace come in and strengthen it even more. Help us as the people of God to carry your image in this world of true and genuine love. God, I pray for all of the single people that are in the room today. What a weird time. But I pray your grace would meet them every step of the way, especially as they honor you with their life. As they honor you with those desires as they seek to please you and live for you. I pray that you would bring the right person at the right time to come into their life. Lord, for all of those that maybe are in the room today and are off track, I just, I just pray your grace would meet them as they make decisions to push pause, step back, recalibrate it, decide I'm not going to take the track of the world, I'm going to step onto the path of God that leads me to health and strength. Listen, I want to, I want to pray for everybody in the room today. Maybe you've never received Christ. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer to receive Jesus as your Savior. And here's some incredible news is we don't have to do anything today. It's 2,000 years ago, Jesus did it all. He paid the price for our salvation, for our redemption, for our forgiveness. I can, I can just tell you this out of experience. Religion will never change you. Rules will never change you. A church will never change you. A pastor will never change you. But one moment, experiencing the love of Jesus Christ in your life will never be the same.
changes our hearts from the inside out. And God chose you. And today by His Holy Spirit all over this room, He's choosing us. He's touching our hearts, saying, respond. You don't need to do anything. I've already done it all. I just want you to receive it. I just want you to open your heart and receive the love of Jesus. The way we're going to do that today is I'm going to lead us in a prayer. The whole church is going to pray it. But maybe today, if you've never received Jesus, I'm going to give you the words, but I want you to pray them from your heart. Our whole church family is going to pray this prayer with us because nobody prays this prayer by themselves. We're standing with you in this moment as you step into abundant life in Jesus Christ. Come on, I'm going to lead us. Every voice in the room, lift your voice and pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my past. Wash away my sin. Make me a new person. Today I'll follow you. I will walk in your path. I will follow your ways. I receive you now as my leader and as my Lord. And I will never be the same. Make it a declaration. I will never be the same. Come on, somebody declare it. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we give Jesus a praise? Thank you for being with us on the podcast today. And a great big thank you to all of those who financially support the ministry of Coast Life Church. Your generosity is helping us and resourcing us to bring God's word into people's hearts and lives. And if you've never given and would like to, you can go to mycoastlifechurch.com forward slash give. And just know that you're resourcing and equipping us to bring the encouragement of God's word into people's lives. Another way that you can make a difference is by simply hitting the subscribe button. Just know that means so much to us to know that you're leaning in to the Word of God. And a great big thing that you can do is hit the share button. Let other people know that there is encouragement and God's Word is there to resource them because we're here just to lead people into abundant life in Christ so they can experience life on top of life on top of life. God bless you.